1: Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello there. Thank
2: you for inviting me into your eardrums. I'm Sarah Wendell. This is Smart Podcast Trashy Books, episode number 437. We are saying goodbye to 2020. Seriously. Seriously. Goodbye. The Smart Bitches team is gathering across many time zones. And in this episode, Catherine Heloise is joining us from Melbourne, Australia. Sneezy is in Taiwan, and Maya is in California. So we are going to talk about books and movies and manga that we loved, our favorite tropes. We talk a little bit about social anxiety and RWA, and how to look back on what we've learned this year. Now, if you are listening to this on the 25th of December, happy Chinese Food and a Movie Day! Stay safe and warm. May your takeout be excellent. And if you are celebrating Christmas today, Merry Christmas to you and yours. I have a compliment, which is so much fun, for Kristen L. When your friends think about New Year's resolutions and wishes and goals, having you in their lives is always an absolute unspoken but essential part of their happiness. Thank you for being you. If you would like a compliment of your very own, have a look at Smart Bitches Patreon at patreon.com slash Smart pitches. Monthly pledges start at $1. Every pledge keeps the show going, and the Patreon community is made of wonderful, excellent people. Happy holidays to all of you, and thank you for your support. This podcast episode is brought to you by Headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy to use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So, whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. If you are feeling overwhelmed, Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation just for you. If you need help falling asleep, Headspace has wind-down sessions that their members swear by, and Amanda loves these in particular. She tells me about them constantly. And for parents, Headspace has morning meditations you can do with your children. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. This is one of the sponsorship spots that I'm the most excited to talk about because I look forward to my session with Headspace every day. And I have tried so many times to create a meditation habit and I haven't been able to stick with it. This one is working and I'm not sure why, but I am very grateful for it because I can tell that I am calmer, more relaxed, and better able to handle each day and savor specific moments to enjoy them as they're happening. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits. 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule, anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier. Absolutely true. And Headspace is meditation made simple go to headspace.com sarah that's headspace.com sarah for a one month free trial with access to headspace's full library of meditations for every situation this is the best deal offered right now so head to headspace.com sarah today since we're talking about books and movies and manga and t-shirts and lots of things in this episode I'm sure you're wondering, hmm, where can I find links to all of the books and the things that are being talked about in this episode? Uh, in the show notes. You knew that. SmartBitchesTrashyBooks.com slash podcast. I will have links to everything we talked about. Never fear. This episode is also brought to you by One Hope Wine. One Hope is a Napa Valley winery built on hope and rooted in purpose. Every bottle of our award-winning wine supports a meaningful cause. One Hope's commitment to high-quality wine is as important as their commitment to the causes they support. Through the sale of every bottle, One Hope has donated over $5 million to causes around the world. You can stock up for the holidays with up to 35% off wine from One Hope. Get 10% off a 4-pack, 20% off a 6-pack, and 35% off 12-packs during the biggest sale of the year. We could all use a little wine this season. Why not celebrate the new year with some bubbly, huh? They have gorgeous, best-selling glitter bottles and shimmer bottles, and I will tell you, I have liked every wine that I've tried from One Hope. Visit onehopewine.com Sarah, or use code Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, for $10 off your first order. That's onehopewine slash Sarah, or code Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, for $10 off your first order. $10 off any product, first-time customers only. That's O-N-E-H-O-P-E-W-I-N-E dot com slash Sarah. If you're thinking, is that a Deste Fiddles in the background? Yes. Yes, it is. I have been using royalty-free music this year because I have been trying to cross-post the episodes to YouTube, and YouTube will flag the episodes if I'm using music that is not royalty-free. Now, I have permission to use this music, but, you know, YouTube doesn't know that. But for the holidays, I think I have to bring back the Odeste Fiddles. So if you are looking for some funky, fine, awesome holiday music, this is my favorite set, Adeste Fiddles by Deviations Project. And I will link to it in the show notes, never fear. This episode is also brought to you by Ritual, a daily multivitamin now available and essential for kids. Ritual knows how difficult it can be to get your kids the nutrients they need. Tell me about it. And that's why they made essential for kids to help fill gaps in the diets of ages 4 through 12 without making a single compromise to quality or taste. Not only do they have a natural citrus berry flavor, but they're convenient by design. Every gummy features a 3-in-1 design that combines a daily multi, vegan omega-3 DHA, and a good source of fiber per serving. And they deliver. They deliver. Like, it shows up on the porch. I love this part. The minute I finish a bottle, the new one's waiting for me. And I love the literal transparency. My capsules are see-through, which is really cool. And I like knowing the source of every nutrient that's inside the vitamins we take. When it comes to what goes into our kids' bodies, they've got being picky down to a science. Mine certainly do. That's why Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash Sarah to start Ritual or add Essential for Kids today. That's ritual.com slash Sarah. Are you ready for a podcast episode? I could do a podcast episode. Let's do it right now. On with the show. Welcome, guys. I'm so glad we get to do this.
3: Me too. So it's dead early for you, Eva. Is it like 8 in the morning? Yes, it is. I'm very impressed with myself that I'm not only here but also on time. Catherine will know that I struggle with this. (laughs) Being here here or being on time or both? Both. I'm, I'm very impressed with myself. Like, I was half of last night was. Me lying in bed going, okay, but what if I miss it? Like, I know I set three alarms, whatever, sleep through all of them. Yeah. And I didn't, so here I am. <laughs> so do you have the
2: thing where if you have something on your calendar, you're like, well, I can't do anything else until then.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> I, I, I've done on quite a lot of things this morning already. I had to. <laughs> <laughs> Robin and Catherine, why don't you? <laughs> I've do. had three hours in which to do more things. <laughs> What things uh, did you do? Oh, I put a curry in the slow cooker. I organized my Christmas baking shopping list and did the shopping. And I've just uploaded a video for my work choir to our website. I think that's Catherine, you also have to sleep. We've been over this. You also have to rest. I don't do that in December. Um, yes,
3: you do. You have to. That's not how the human body works.
0: So is it like December
2: for you? Is it, is it like... Uh, People in the northern hemisphere who have a bazillion hours of sunlight and you're just super awake because you're so far south, or is it like, oh my god, it's Christmas and I have buckets of daylight with which to get things done? It's a little bit of both.
0: Um yeah. I, I go very over the top at Christmas. Most years I'm singing in choirs every day, obviously not this year, but I've I've found ways to be singing every day anyway. Um and I always do a lot of baking for work. And since I've finally got back in the office after nine months, part-time, because we've we've been very fortunate here we had our very long lockdown and now cases are very very low um yeah, that,
2: that's not the case here we're terrible at this we're really bad at covid aren't we maya
4: we're yeah super- <laughs> we are we've hit i think um capacity for the icus in la county like we just hit capacity and like we got we got a lot of beds um and so it's a mess and it's going to be a mess for the next probably six weeks yeah we
2: suck at this so i'm really very envious of your ability to go and do things with other people in the same
0: space that
2: you that aren't related to you
0: we we did have six weeks when we had a curfew when we couldn't leave the house for more than an hour a day for exercise and shopping
2: oh was that the five
0: kilometer lockdown? It was, yeah, that was a bit hard work. And then less, you know, it's slowly been coming out. There are still some restrictions, Um, but yeah, I mean, I haven't been in the office since March the 17th and I got to go back for the first time for half a day the week before last. And all the plants are dead, right? No, I I bequeathed them to one of my scientists because I work in a medical research laboratory. Ah, but I'm not a scientist, so I can work from home. But my scientists have all been coming in in shifts to keep their experiments going. Right, Maya. How are things with you?
4: Great. Um, I'm unemployed, so I'm just like chilling, <laughs> hanging out. I nap a lot. Um, yeah, I don't really. It's really great. I love it. I'm really loving this like isolation thing, um, which freaks everyone out when I say it. But no,
1: I'm oh. with you
4: like never having to leave my house and I live alone. Like I'm great. This has been a really great nine months for me, like for my mental health. Like my anxiety is like really great. Cause it's like, no, nah, I don't have to talk to people. So I'm good. <laughs> I have some anxiety. And so like, yeah, I'm like loving it. Um, I, um, I don't like, I don't know what I'm going to do next. I think I'm going to start a, a, start a solo practice as an attorney. So like, um, yeah, I'm still, but I'm waiting until i pass passed the bar in California. And so that's another month um, that I had to just crossed. like sit around, which is fine. I'm not complaining. Everything's great. Um, yeah. I so love do it. You
2: have a social anxiety like mine where you replay conversations after you've had them for like nine years. What is with decades, that- decades on decades, like, Oh, I can <laughs> tell you about things I said when I was 13 and I'm currently at this moment, 45 years old.
4: Yeah, no, I, uh, I have a really great memory, um, which is useful for some, Jobs, but not not for living. Like not for living. Like I used to have a job where I would have to interview people for six hours at a time and couldn't write anything down because like it would freak people out in the interview process. Mm -hmm. But so I, but I could recall everything once I like got in my car and just started like writing everything down. That was great. That was perfect. But like for a you know a conversation I have with my parents when I was ten, like maybe maybe we can move past it. No, I can't. No, Mm -hmm. can't at all. No. No, no, no. All right, so first
2: up, first question. First question. What book or piece of media got you through 2020? Who wants to go first?
0: I want to go first so I can say the one everyone else probably wants to say. Um, okay. <laughs> super evil. I love it. Yeah, I've planned this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of anxiety, I really love The Duke Who Didn't. Um that really spoke to me on so many levels, especially the endless, endless lists that one never gets through um, and and the anxiety. Um, and just the idea that someone can be enough, which is something I have a lot of trouble grasping for myself. It's mm-hmm. much easier to forget about other people. So, yeah. That's a good pick.
2: Yeah. I love yeah. how many year-end lists that book has been on. It makes me so happy.
0: It's just such oh, a yeah. big... It's it's so kind to its readers and it's so and it's full of food, and you know how I feel about that. And yeah.
2: I have a book to recommend to you about um sort of reframing the idea of being enough. Mm-hmm. It's called Laziness Does Not Exist. It is nonfiction, it is by a uh a professor and researcher named Devin Price. They are based in Chicago. And it's coming out in January. So I'm reading an arc now because I'm doing an interview with them uh, end of the month. This book is blowing my mind and my family's tired of hearing about it. <laughs> I, just, I like it so much because it talks about how we are indoctrinated with this idea that laziness is is the worst thing. And what we actually do need is time off and and the idea of being enough for yourself. It's It's like straight up your wheelhouse or on your street or however you say that.
3: The f- the first time we talked about this in Slack, Sarah, um, Google was listening, and Amazon recommended You Mean You're, I'm Not Lazy, Stupid, or Crazy by Kate Kelly and Peggy Romundo to me on Kindle. I oh. uh, have, have, have not read this yet, but it seems like it's on the same bandwagon. And uh, just from the blurb, it sounds like it's more geared towards ADHD as well. And it's just like, thank you for like being a complete creep, Google. This is the one-time words where the point is in your court. Fuck you, but also thank you.
2: <laughs> My dog is digging a hole in the carpet right now. <laughs>
3: what are you doing?
4: Maya, what book got you through 2020? So I am going to say Murderbot because I read it so many times, like over and over again. And like, I know Sarah, I was like, I'm going to say Murderbot. Sarah's going to love it. She's going to be so excited. Yep, um, <laughs> not wrong. Nope, not wrong. I loved Murderbot. Me and Murderbot are the same. Um, and so um, yeah, it was just this story right of like like Murderbot like trying to figure out how to love themselves, right? Because mm-hmm. like at the beginning, they detested everything about themselves, right? Yep. murders, they can't control themselves, all of those things and like trying to figure out how to appreciate the, the I don't know, not person, the murderbot that they are. Um, And so I just really loved that story and the way that um, Murderbot was both negotiating, like, its own idea of itself, like, within the context of, like, this world that had so many things that they didn't quite understand. Yes. So I just, like, loved it. And obviously, like... Murderbot just wants to sit in a corner and watch some TV and like me too, Murderbot. Like that's, that's, I mean, right. That's COVID, right. We're all just going to go sit at home. I'm going to watch some Netflix and everything's going to be perfect. It's it's exactly what I want.
2: You saw, I posted in the, in the Slack, you saw the shirt I got for Hanukkah, right? Yeah. I'm going to wear it tomorrow. It's in the dryer right
3: now. So So cute. It didn't happen.
2: Yeah, I will will share. I love that series so much because it also confirms that being a person is hard. Like being a person is hard and dealing with other people is hard and emotions are hard. And all of this stuff that you do as a basic person, that's all really hard. Even if you have a super powered brain and can run up the wall and you have guns built into your arms, it's all hard. And I think what worked, one of the things that worked for me with Murderbot and that series is that, like, I had to keep reminding myself, this here is, this is hard. This is really hard. Like, I think it was um, Anne Helen Peterson, who's a journalist that I really, really like. She has a a Substack newsletter that I actually paid for because I love her work so much. And she said, we're basically living through a global extinction event and that's not normal. And we can watch it as it's happening. We can watch the bar graphs go up and down and you can watch your your ICU beds get full up. And like, that's all terrifying. And it's hard. Like, this is really hard. So it was reassuring for me to enter a world where it's like, yes, just basic personhood is hard too. Like, it's okay that this is difficult. Yeah. And that there are people who are going to look after you. Mm
4: Mm-hmm. That, I think that was the other piece was it was a, um, a really interesting found family story yes. where Murderbot was like trying to convince themselves that they wanted to be part of the world um, and that like they could be loved right like yes. first was this this act of figuring out how to love themselves and then like accepting love and and then and then giving other people love right loving people back. It's um, yes. a whole thing that they're like still trying to figure out. And I just really uh, loved, loved watching all of that. I love the the
2: comment to my review of Network Effect from Hay that it was basically an agender, asexual romantic suspense novel. And the minute mm-hmm. I read that, I was like, of course it was.
4: Duh. How did
2: I miss that?
4: <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's the kind of thing where um, it's the kind of book that I use to trick people into reading a romance. Right? Like, because it's like murder bot. Like, let's just, he's, it, it wants to kill people all the time. Like, let's just, like, read that. And then, like, oh, oh, wait, they're falling in love. Did I, did I, did I forget to mention the love story? That is so great. um Did I, did I forget that? And then, oh, and then darn. I, Courtney
3: Milan.
2: Um. <laughs> <laughs> this is an excellent strategy. I approve. Yeah. Well done. Very nice.
3: So my pick is um, A Touch of Stone and Snow, because it is, it it was, I I talked about it so much on, like, virtually every list. Um, And and it's because it's just gotten me through the year so much. Um, That and Webtoons. Webtoons is, is like, towards the end of these years, so, like, these past few months. Um, But, okay, so it's written by Melton Brooks and under the name of Vane and and the biggest thing about that book that's so comforting to me is a giant snow cat a saber-tooth snow cat that will cuddle you that will rip your enemies apart and and it 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 have, it can have conversations with you just maybe not with words and it will troll you and you can troll it back and you can snuggle with it and it is possessive it will let your horse and your riding buddy know that you are their human and it will it will just leave fur all over you and the idea of a Fluffkins that will love me that much and will go on murder sprees with me and will cuddle me at night. is that that's everything that's all I want and I have been so upset at all the um, poor decision makers and positions of power this entire year that i just go i very much want a snowcat to go on an adventure with and if they end up dead hey it's a giant saber-tooth snowcat what do you want from me okay i do believe in restorative justice i will say that but the idea of having a monster that is also a flutkins that will go on a murder spree with me that is causing the people i love danger it's very appealing
2: Oh, such They're catharsis so yeah. oh yeah oh yeah
3: kitty cat wants to do
4: stuff like you can't everyone knows right you can't control a cat cat's in charge you're just there to make sure to use your thumbs to make sure they get fed and that's it <laughs> clean the so, clean like, the
2: shit box you gotta clean the poop and, box yeah uh, a <laughs> little, little bit of litter genie going on
3: there a little bit of that I have to wash them like, wash yeah, off the bloods with
0: a shine <laughs> Do we not get to hear your book or your media, Sarah, or is that in a different podcast?
2: Oh, gosh. Well, I was just, Adam was Adam was asking me when we were eating dinner. He's like, do you have to answer the same question? I'm like, well, kind of, yeah. When I was talking with Elise and Tara and Ellen this week, um, the two things that got me through were, my like Maya said, Murderbot and also the Cadfile mystery series, which is set in medieval Wales, mm. where there's like, you know, actual anarchy and no one knows who the king is and people are dying. And then there's this like elderly monk with an herb garden who solves murder. And I realized during that podcast that there probably isn't murder bot cad file crossover fanfic, but that there should be. And I might've stumbled upon an unwritten, unexplored fanfic venue. And I'm kind of into it now like I've been thinking about it a lot like are you gonna write it but you know that'd be that'd be pretty great right so what yes. really got me through was stories that confirmed that being a person is hard like murder bot and stories that reassured me that regardless of the time period people have lived through really shitty things and come out okay and yep. that I will live through really shitty things and it'll be okay.
0: So those, and were, also, those were my two. He's also doing something meaningful. You know, there's all this chaos around him, but in his small world, he's making changes. He's doing things which matter to people. Yeah. And the th- chaos around him doesn't prevent that. You know, you can still do something. I don't know.
2: Yes. There's a, there's a quote from um, Cory Booker, who was my senator in New Jersey and is, is still a senator in New Jersey, just not my senator anymore. And he said a couple of times, don't let your inability to do everything get in the way of your determination to do something. And he may be quoting someone else, but I've heard him say it. So that's who I attribute it to. And th- that's exactly it. Like he's, you know, CAD file, even and Murderbot, they're doing small things that matter in the immediate and that makes things better. And different, and improves them in small increments. I'm also rereading the Nalini Singh Changeling series right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This may work for you, sneezy, because um, the bad guys like they they get bad shit when the, when the when stuff happens to the bad guys. It's super like violent and vicious, and the changelings do not fuck around. You might you might like it. It's kind of cathartic. I feel
3: good just hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> like i don't do horror and gore you guys know that but at the same time it's like i want a dead
2: well the thing is with the sight changing series if it gets too violent i can just sort of flip through and be like okay because the chapters and the scenes are very short so if it's like oh this is a bit too much just flip ahead do you okay, know that i'm trying to record something dog what the hell
3: honey badger don't care
2: the, the dog doesn't care either he's gonna <laughs> bark at shit he can't see it's dark <laughs> out you can't even see oh my gosh all right
0: Catherine, do you want to bring your question? Okay, so mine's a fairly a light question, I guess. Um, When when you're when you're choosing a book, is there one trope that you will always kind of go, "One click, that's for me," or are you not a tropey person? And do you have a favorite book within that trope? That's my.
2: Oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's a good one.
3: You said it was light, and I thought it meant easy. You lied. Oh yeah.
2: Come up with okay. So I have a particular trope that I do love. I love romances when the characters are forced to be their authentic, real selves due to whatever circumstances happening. That could be they're snowed in, there's forced proximity, they're fake dating, they're fake not dating. Like there's all of these circumstances where characters are forced to. Be who they are. but what really, like really grabs me is when there's that situation, but they're communicating through some kind of secret method, either notes or texts. There's some sort of sub-conversation happening that allows them to tell each other the truth beneath what's happening in the story. So, secret notes epistolary romances things where they're passing notes back and forth or they're writing notes on post-its and leaving them for each other a really good example is the flat share by Beth yes. O'Leary where they're they're leaving notes for each other and it's like hey I made a butt ton of apricot bars and you can have some but what that actually is is I'm, I'm taking care of you are you okay and then that begins this, this person I don't ever see that I've never met, but lives in my space. So there's intimacy, but there's not intimacy. I love the juxtaposition. That's probably it. I love the juxtaposition of intimacy in a situation that's not intimate where you have to reveal who you really are. That's my favorite sort of flavor and that can come in forced proximity or fake relationships or, um, all these different scenarios but that's when it's when it's notes or or you know secret communication or a very secret text thread like that that's 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 the thing that I love the most
3: that sounds delicious
2: it's so good another good one is yours to keep by Shannon Stacy because they have a fake relationship and the only place they can leave notes for each other is in the bathroom So they leave post-it notes uh, in the bathroom about each other so they can get to know each other in a space that is inherently just theirs while they're pretending to have a a relationship for whatever reason people pretend to have relationships. There's lots of different reasons in romance. Maya, when you practice law, are you going to specialize in those wills in romance that make people like get married and... Like, force each other to pretend to have relationships, to close the deal. Like, are you going to specialize in
4: that variation of contract and estate law? Because there's not... That sounds of- like a party. Like, honestly, like, <laughs> that sounds really great. I'd be all about that. Like, I'd be, it would be my own, like, just watching these love stories happen. Yes. Um, yeah. Sorry about great-granddad, but you guys are getting married. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, 80,000 acres of land is yours in la right you get your vistas, blah 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 but you got to marry that lady over there right now um like yes clock's ticking pal get on that let's go yeah that has to happen yeah (laughs) or it's like you have to marry me sorry look all that lands like (laughs) i mean it's in the will i didn't i didn't did i write the will and that means it's illegal we don't have to talk about that but like yeah Totally superfluous
2: detail. and is immaterial to this relevant, relevant uh, situation. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Hurry up and say your vows. Now we're getting naked. Go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I read Rafe by Rebecca Weatherspoon for, a, to be a guest on another podcast recently. And one of the things I really liked about it is that they were in one of those conscripted relationships. Like you have to get married for this much days to inherit this much. And they were mm-hmm. like, yeah, but you're kind of hot, you know, while we're married. You want to Bo- you wanna go to Bone Town? <laughs> I really appreciated the the honesty of wishing to go to Bone Town because, you know, why the hell
3: not? <laughs> yes, get through it. There's none enough pages left in the book. Get smashing. Go, 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 go. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, who has an answer
2: for Catherine's question?
3: Uh, me and Catherine. Catherine, do you want to go first? My question. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. All right. No, it's um, Maya Maya,
2: and, and, and
3: you.
0: Although, Catherine, I would love it if you answered too. Yeah, I'm still thinking about the answer to my question. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have and an we'll... answer.
4: Okay, go, go, go. Okay. Marriage of convenience. I yes. love, I know it's like kind of related to what you were just talking about, Sarah, but I think the sort of marriage of convenience where um, there's like an explicit negotiation of, of like who people like, what they want in a relationship that I think when we're talking about other tropes that I totally enjoy, like, um, with, uh, like, the side Changeling series where there's a lot of fated mate stuff that happens. And so yeah. that, like, negotiation of, of like, there's no negotiation of, of what people actually want in the relationship. It's, like, just boom, you're in love, congratulations um, kind mm-hmm. of thing. And then there's, like, other stuff happening that needs to be figured out. But marriage convenience, there's a lot more people, like, discovering each other and having conversations about the things they want and the ways they've like often been like failed by other people. Yeah. Um, and so like where I am right now, I think my favorite one that I just wrote was strange love, um, by just forgot the author's name. Y'all got it. And I gear. Yes. So good. Um, because you had these two, these, you know, one person, one, not a person, but having these conversations, both of them sort of been, uh, undervalued in like really like explicit ways and and it was just this very like with I forget the name of the the dude but like this whole um he's like shocked every time she she does the thing she said she was gonna do which was to like stick by him and he just keeps every time he's like oh she's gonna she's gonna forget about that and she's like well of course I'm not like what are you even talking about and like this shock the constant like he's constantly amazed by that is is like really heartbreaking but is also sort of the kind of thing that um is is the kind of development of a relationship that I like to see
2: yeah where you have no real reason to trust in the relationship because the relationship itself is built on a weird foundation and then it remains consistent oh I love that too it's so good
4: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30
1: a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I,
3: I, know the I thing. felt really hella called out by that, but okay, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I felt called out. Uh, okay, again. Feel free to cut this out of a Asuti, but it's just uh, <laughs> hearing Maya talk about that, it, it just reminded me of like all the really shitty people I had surrounded myself with. And I always internalized the idea that if I felt uncomfortable, if I was hurt, if I felt undervalued, disrespected, um, I, I couldn't even put words to this. It was only now after all the internal work that I've done that I can identify this is how I was feeling, mm-hmm. right? But any time that I felt discomfort or sad or hurt, I always thought, oh, it's just because I'm the problem. If I was better, if if I thought the right thoughts, I wouldn't feel this way. And obviously, everybody else is right. Everybody else has legitimate reasons but me. And I'm a terrible person anyway, so I don't deserve to feel upset, right? So, like, uh, Maya, you recommended that book to me. And uh, I actually forgot about The Talking Dog until you talked about it. And I was like, oh, my God, how did I forget this? Um, but, yeah, like, exactly what you said. Um, it, it it kind of held up a very uncomfortable mirror the way um, the the cricket dude was like, what? You respect me? You really care about me? Where's the, what's the catch? What, what the fuck is happening? And I was just like, well, she just kind of loves you. And that's great. Yep.
2: But isn't that one of the most central messages of romance? Yes. Like you are worthy of love exactly as you are. You don't have to change.
3: Yes. Yeah. But I feel like stories now are just so smart and so direct with how they talk about this. And there's no oh, for sure. caveats or weird stuff going on. Or if there are weird stuff that goes on, it's really easy to pick out. And it's like, no, I don't have to put up with this shit. There's so many other stories I can go to.
2: Yep. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yes. So many more. Yeah. So do you have a trope? Do you have an answer?
3: Oh, yes. Okay. So this is more with like uh, uh, manhua slash manga slash however you pronounce um, graphic novels and webtoons, but isekai. So um, isekai is a genre for talking about like um, a character somehow gets transplanted into a story. And there, there might be time travel involved, there might be reincarnation involved. The point is, you get plonked in a story, whether the story is from a novel, a game, whatever, you're in it, and what the fuck do you do? Because suddenly, all of these tropes that you thought were so hot, whether it's stuff from dark romance, or, or uh, this great adventure that's very life-threatening, is like, oh! shit, <laughs> now i got to live through this shit. Yep. Um. But more importantly, like, because obviously I'm a romance reader, so I tend to read more, like, the Josai and uh, Shoujo side of things, right? So the, the tropes are really, really, really smart in the way that it's used to examine the role of women in stories, the role of women in societies. Um. That's, like, very on the nose. Like, it's, you have these characters that are, like, no, you don't get to treat women like shit and still have your magical romance, Mr. Crown Prince. No one gives a shit about you. There's consequences for being a shitty prince. You have to know how politics work. You have to know economy. You can't just keep shirking your duties and expect things to work out for you. No, no one's going to put up with that shit. And then there's also um, uh, this this thing where, like, okay, me and Catherine, like, in the, in our Skype group, we're always talking about, like, why don't they just throw the man over, and, like, these two gals just run off into the sunset? Isn't that a perfect pairing? And then these these webtoons are like, well, how about that? And mm-hmm. um, it's, it's uh, okay, I have to be very careful what I say here, because spoilers, but there's there's some stories where, where um, you get, you still get love triangles, but I I actually like these love triangles not because of love triangles but because you now the love interest for the main character are a man and a woman and they respect each other i can say for me with adhd uh, and anxiety and depression super fun times but uh the, the colors the layout like that that is very delicious for my brain like after oh, yeah. the the election my brain just went oh you want to read non fiction fuck you you feel like a novel fuck you i want webtoons right now what you gonna do and My only answer
2: was nothing. Okay. There's a, there is a poem by Mary Oliver, who's an American poet called wild geese. Mm -hmm. And there is a line that I tell myself all the time. You have only to let the soft animal of your body want what it wants. Sometimes your body knows what it needs. And if it needs technicolor Greek gods who are, you know, pining for each other, fine. (laughs) <laughs> you give it that shit or you'll be sorry that's right if, if that's what my body wants if that's what my brain wants okay all right fine I won't get in the way I still get my story fixed so I'm happy <laughs> smart woman says your body <laughs> yeah yeah just just get out of my way okay fine okay okay I'm not in the way I'm not in the way Catherine do you
0: have an answer for your own question I sort of do um I mean the the short answer is the more tropes the better I like stories which have lots of different tropes in them if I see oh yeah there's a big secret and someone's cross-dressing and someone else you know and and then there's only one bed I am extremely happy but uh I was also just looking at my list of my favorite books for this year and it's pretty clear that I have one trope I really like which is it's kind of a very it's an opposite attract not enemies to levels particularly but where one character is really highly strung or tense or kind of, you know, grumpy, and the other one's just sort of this sort of relaxed, sunshiny kind of, yeah. I love that trope, and I have no idea why that would be. Um, Like the Duke who didn't. (laughs) Like the Duke who didn't. Like Act Like It, Like Hearts on Hold, like Ten Things I Hate About... Well, no, yeah, even Ten Things I Hate About the Duke like drowned country. It, it basically I looked at my list and went every single thing on that list has that kind of trope, actually. So that's clearly what I like. The sunshiny one and the grumpy one. The sunshiny one and the grumpy one or the sunshine or the the relaxed one and the totally stressed out one and just yeah.
2: Yeah. I particularly love that when it's paired with competence where even if the load the laid back or the sunshiny one is also competent. Ideally can, both. Yeah, yeah. I- ideally both. But sometimes you get it where it's it's it edges firmly into Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Oh and, yes. and, and, and and you know, oh I'm just a complete disaster and someone who takes life seriously needs to fix me. Like that's yeah. that's not yeah. my jam. When they're both competent and they have to reconcile each other's competence, even though they're coming from opposite value systems.
3: Yes, please. Yes, indeed. Mm. That's like, so know. hot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: think i also like maya i love any trope where they have to really negotiate and figure out who they are and i guess that's why yes the fake relationship and the only one bed and things like that work really well for me um because there are there is so much discussion of okay where are the boundaries what are we going to do and there's a, a kind of radical honesty you have to have there or it just doesn't work it's yes. the stuff that people in real life tend to kind of talk around and try and find sort of because no one wants to talk about that stuff directly because it's awkward and, and weird and Mickey, but you kind of have to um yeah so I love that I agree as an overly awkward person myself I think that's how yeah it's a good combo I agree I, I totally get it all right Maya what's your
2: question for us
4: my question is, even though it feels like it was literally a billion years ago. like it was we, literally a billion years ago. Remember I do if it was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> With the whole RWA mess that happened, like, um, I was wondering if you all had something that you loved that, like, came out of that mess over the last year? Because there was, it felt like a very radical shift that occurred sort of in our January um, that again, like I just, it's, it feels so far away that I almost imagined it, but it was just a year ago. Um, like if there's what your, what was your favorite sort of like outcome out of all of those, all of the like really bad things that did happen there or like what hopes did you have that like still haven't actually been like reached yet, have not been met yet?
2: I love looking back at the whole thing that happened with RWA because it's like, oh my God, what a quaint time. (laughs) I remember when that whole thing broke, I was on vacation in Utah. I was at like 9,000 feet elevation. I did not have my normal amount of oxygen. And I was like, fuck me. I have to write right now. And I could barely talk out loud. And I remember being so hurt and mad like this decision that was released about Courtney Milan that that hurt like why are you trying to make yourself irrelevant why are you trying to undo what people have worked so hard and I look back at that now I'm like what a quaint time that was
3: <laughs> it was so painful when it happened and I'm looking back now like
2: wow if only I
4: knew how really fucked up things were like <laughs> yeah I mean felt like our world was shook right when yeah it happened, oh, yeah like in 2020 was like hold like, my beer <laughs> yeah I was just like I don't even know what happened Does it doesn't even really matter I don't even remember what how did it end I don't even know I don't even like at this point it's like whatever we're all still here um but yeah like I still think that there was um there was a lot of stuff that happened um it was. And, people, and so I just I also think that it would be very natural for us to forget about it, <laughs> to not be marking the time um, because of all the other things that are all are extremely important that have been happening in it's dead. But I think that we um, need to sort of ask ourselves, did we have expectations that came out of everything that happened that yeah. have been met and have not been met because it will take affirmative work, right? Like, because it actually it occurred and people were harmed and people continue to be harmed. Um, and so, uh, we can't like set it aside. Um, we have to sort of, we still have to hold it up as a thing that like we need to, to be reflecting on, um, along with lots of other stuff. But like, I think this would be a moment to start, to start reflecting. I'm the type of person who will, uh, not let go of those types of things. Um, Nor should you. (laughs) And so, um, so I hold a grudge and I hold a grudge good. And so um, I just uh, want to speak out loud, right? The truth of the fact that like um, there's still some more work to do. And I just wanted to hear
0: from you all, you, what you all thought. Maya, about.
3: marry me right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's interesting because while I, definitely haven't forgotten it i really have no idea how it ended it sort of trailed off and got buried by covid um and particularly being in a different time zone i felt like a lot of stuff happened on twitter it would have i'd wake up every morning and go oh my lord um <laughs> in fact i i thoroughly entertained my my physio when i turned up with a really dodgy thumb and she said how did you injure your thumb and i went it's a twitter injury <laughs> 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 she kind of laughed but yeah I think I get a lot of those but nobody admits to it (laughs) oh my god (laughs) which is really bad for you boys and girls (laughs) oh yeah I know oh I know Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes (laughs) ma'am but yeah I mean I think I've certainly been very conscious of who I'm reading now which is difficult because I'm terrible at remembering names of authors, and maybe it's just I've been noticing it more. But I feel like there's much more of a conversation still going on. You know, we already had the annual report of how many people of colour were getting published in romance, um, but I think there's a lot more conversation in between about how that's working and about about what constraints there are mm-hmm. on people of colour who are who are trying to publish publish romance at the moment. I don't, but yeah, it's, you're right. It did get buried in other bigger stuff but it doesn't make it less important. It's just that it got very thoroughly
3: outledged. Sneezy, what about you? So what I wanted out of that mess, which obviously I did not get, is for racism to go away, to fuck off in publishing and everywhere else. Um, what I feel like these big moments um, are often... What's often done to these big moments, I should say, is they are held up as a kind of as a kind of symbol, like, oh, look this ended so obviously the bad thing went away no oh Um, let the healing
2: begin now we hear that a lot you know somebody apologized Uh, for saying something racist and now we can all heal like that's not how that works
0: that's how you get an abscess (laughs) (laughs) just
2: hold all that
3: toxicity in there it's not good for your immune system (laughs) Mm -hmm. gotta puncture that shit okay here's the thing I already had very low bandwidth of this uh, even before 2020, but after the RWA thing, my bandwidth for reading a a full-on white cast of characters plummeted. I can't handle um, story with with just a white couple full-on, and especially if there's a full white cast just all around them, especially if it's a setting like fucking New York or someplace like that. I I can't handle... I I just can't handle it. And that's, like, most of Regency, isn't it? That's most of historical. And just, like, we're not stupid. We know people are all over the place, all over the world. Like, I I didn't expect racism to go away. And it it was, like, I don't know how much work is possible to build off of what happened with R W with everyone just not having enough spoons from 2020 and everything feeling so far away but the infrastructure still being as broken as it was. But then I did get, for example, like books such as The Duke Who Didn't, where it was like, fuck all the rules and I'm just going to write what makes me happy. And it, it just also made my soul happy to see Courtney Milan just write something so transcendent. In this small moment, that's all I can ask for without, you know, without losing sight of my grudge, because I have a saber-toothed cat. Just saying. This is a hard question for me to answer because
2: I was a member of RWA for a long time. Like before I started the website, I thought I wanted to be a romance writer. I think I joined 2002, maybe 2003. And this website started in 2005. So it was it predated my starting the site and I think when I look back on RWA, there's two things. There's the personal part, and then there's the the professional part. So, for me personally, I hit a point when it did not seem that anything was going to be addressed in an appropriate fashion. Where I was like, "I'm," and I and I wrote about this. I said, "I'm. I'm done now. I am done." I really believe there are two ways to make change. That you either storm the castle from the outside or you sneak inside and you create structural change. And both of those are needed. And I didn't want to be in the castle anymore. I didn't want to try to work within. I had already been doing what I could from where I was and in this weird position where I wasn't quite pressed and I wasn't quite a writer. And was I the enemy? Because I reviewed books and was I just a troublemaker. Like I didn't have a set space and I never always I, I never felt safe at RWA conferences. I didn't know if I was rocking up to a table full of people who like wanted to kill me, which, you know, what other people think of me is not my problem, but I also don't want to sit and meet with them if they because that's stressful. So for me personally, it was a relief to be like, all right, I'm I'm done now. If if you are going to insist on being irrelevant, I cannot help you, and I am not giving you my energy anymore. And putting that down was the biggest relief. Like, I don't have to worry about this. I can stop. I don't have to think about the conference. I don't have to think about being around people who I don't necessarily know like what they actually are thinking, as opposed to being like the, 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 the fake nice of romance is a very real and toxic thing. And I hate it a lot. I was very relieved to be like, all right, I'm done. I am done with this. I am leaving and I will continue to do what I can in my own way outside of this organization. I'm not giving money or time anymore to this problem because this is, this is a mess that I just don't have any ability to fix or address or get involved with. And and I, and I felt awful because I am really good friends with the people who had worked on the board and had tried so hard to fix things. And they were all just so demoralized and depleted. Like, what the hell happened? Everything I tried to do has been burnt. Everything I worked for five years to create has been reduced to nothing. Like, what the hell? From a professional perspective, the thing that came out of that entire experience that is for the the larger picture beneficial. So everything is language, right? Everyone's language to describe the problem got leveled up. Like if you're going to talk about institutional racism, okay, now you have an example. Okay, if you're going to talk about how white women weaponize their feelings, okay, now we have a really good example. If you're going to talk about how maleness is privileged, I got lots of examples now. So everyone's language about the problem inside romance, I think, took a level up because now we could explain to each other what it was we were talking about. And that gave people more understanding of the problems that everyone else has been talking about for so long. I wish it didn't have to happen. And I wish it didn't have to happen to people who I like and care about. And I wish that the organization didn't have to get completely decimated in in its public reputation for this to happen. If anything, having the understanding of what needs to change on an individual and then on a macro level helps even though it sucks out loud sideways because for God's sake, you'd think we'd be farther along by now, but no, no, we're not. Do fuck. you do you
3: think it was inevitable that it happened
2: this way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Because I think they had several chances to address problems within the voting, within the membership, within the way that people were treated. Like uh, people were saying to the organization, here are examples of how I have been treated at conference, at chapters in individual, in individual cases. And, the response was suboptimal, to put it mildly.
4: So I just want to celebrate, Sarah, you walking away. Because <laughs> like for me, like the big lesson that I think has been reproduced, especially over the last six months, is this idea that, um, or I don't think people should be spending time trying to save institutions that have harmed them. And it is very often that responsibility that is thrown on to the people who've been most directly harmed um, to to do the work to save the institution that has never done anything for them, except told them that without them, without this institution, this individual would not be successful, yeah. which is like a lie. And I think like the the big thing we see, right, is, is the Duke who didn't, right? Courtney Milan wrote about how she couldn't write because she was trying to defend all this nonsense that was coming down on her. And I think... Uh, The Duke who didn't has been pretty universally beloved at this point. Everybody really likes it. And the fact of the matter is that this RWA mass over years was getting in the way of her work and other people's work to do the thing that actually like would bring some good into this world. Um, and And it's not just the RWA that has that type of problem if we're looking at other institutions who need to be saved. I don't know. I think I just saw Google fire, fire somebody for doing not much more than being brilliant and amazing. Um, like, you that, don't say, yeah. I'm just, yeah. And so like, that is a thing that we see a lot. And I just, I think for me, the lesson is really about how um, we shouldn't always try to save institutions. And like, we shouldn't, like, you, they tell us like, we can't survive without their existence. And I, and I think we need to interrogate more closely that that statement because it isn't a statement of fact. It's a statement out of desperation, of out of a a desire to be like legitimate. Um Mm -hmm. and it is about power. And so so like I just I am I am glad Sarah that you've learned that lesson for yourself. (laughs) Because because a lot of people don't and they feel like it's an it is their failure for, for in some way for like leaving. It is about them failing and it is not about them. It is about the institution. It is about power and it's about harm. Yeah. And, like, I just, um, for me, that's the thing that, like, because I was also put in a place in my workplace where I was expected to save them from all the racism they were doing. And then I was like, hold on, y'all aren't paying me extra though. Um, so, so what, am I doing? <laughs> what, am I, what are we doing here? I'm putting in extra hours, but you're not paying me for the things that I am doing. So, like, I'm just yeah, gonna go. And, like, in this economy, I'll have a job. I don't know when I'm gonna have a job, but I would rather just not have a job than like be beholden to this power structure that is harming me on the regular. And so like, I think that's for me, the RWA gave us a sneak preview into a thing that became like, I think a more universal truth or became more universally uh, visible um, as we were all just kind of sitting around looking at the world. Um, (laughs) And so that is, that's like why I was, I've been thinking about it.
2: I agree. You know how sometimes people choose like a word for the year Uh I don't remember if it was 2018 or 2019, but my word was two. It was opt out. (laughs) I'm going to opt out of bullshit. I'm opting out of things that do not serve me. And that has been a really good decision. But I also know the older I get, like my my give a fuck card every year is reduced at a much lower number. Like I have like two fucks for the whole year. Mm -hmm. Gotta spend them (laughs) carefully,
3: very carefully. Maybe save them for next year.
4: I was watching the Eurovision movie last night and I like (laughs) was just so mad at how abusive that relationship was that I like could not handle it. I was just like this like when she like got wrapped up in the thing by her neck and I was like this is such a violent abusive relationship and like the people that wrote it don't see it and I like cannot handle it. I am so upset right now. I was so mad but it was like this thing where I was like Just so abusive and I cannot do this. And I like I was only there for like whatever the nice lady who was like dubbing in the voice, she was deeply talented. And that was like all I was here for because the rest of it was so violent and so like horrible. And I just was like, everyone said this was funny. And like I just I can't. This is like the worst (laughs) thing is I was so upset. Which is like generally like there's all these rom coms that I like can't watch because it's such the the relationship is so upsetting. And the viewpoint is always from a male viewpoint. And there's like never an interior life for the woman. And all of it was just like, I cannot do this right now. Um, But yeah, so like that was just, I was like real stuck on the trauma last night of watching Eurovision, that Eurovision movie and being like, this isn't love. Like, what are we talking about? This is not what love looks like. I'm going to go read a nice book about an alien and a girl and a dog. And they're going to fall in love again because I just keep reading that book.
2: Right now, there is a seismic scientist who is measuring waveforms emerging from Melbourne towards the Pacific Ocean across the Tasman. And they are like, what the fuck is happening right now? And what's happened here, scientists, is that Maya has mentioned the Eurovision movie. Catherine has completely lost her cool at this
0: time. (laughs) Yes, I had so much trouble reviewing that because... I mean, if you take out Will Ferrell, everything else is great, but there is so much Will Ferrell, and he is such an utter, oh, my God, his character is so horrible. As you say, it's completely abusive. I mean, the relationship was was horrifying. Also, just as a performer, I was kind of going, you're the worst performance partner. You've got the nightmare that just keeps on giving. Um, so, yeah, I sort of loved the World Eurovision bits, but I had to fast forward through everything else when I went to review it because... Yeah. The elves shot the wrong guy. Is that a spoiler? Sorry.
2: <laughs> no, not at this point. <laughs> no. It can't be a spoiler at this point.
0: <laughs> uh,
3: so my question is, what's something you already knew or believed in that you've gained a new or deeper perspective on during the year of Our Lord 2020?
2: Oh, such a good question. Thank you. Such a good question. <laughs> Bucket, what's your answer?
4: Okay, got, has have a lot of opinions. He wants to talk about white supremacy. Because uh, <laughs> that's all we talk about in my household is we, we discuss white supremacy. And so I would say, like, for me, I um, continue to learn more about, like, the ways in which, like, power structures and oppression and the way they intersect um, and the ways in which I've missed things because of, of how deeply ingrained normative culture is. Um, and so, like, I always um am grateful for the opportunity to keep on learning and to ask those questions and to also um, be comfortable establishing myself as an expert in things. Um because um because I think I've been trained culturally to to undermine myself in the things that I know when I am like stating things that are true and then I like make a joke about how like I'm just a girl who doesn't know anything. That's not true. I know lots of stuff. Um, and so that is um, for me. I think we've spent a year um, acknowledging the existence of white supremacy, shock and all. United States, we just realized that oppressing Black people is a bad thing, and we've been doing it for 400 years. Um, and so that was really great that we got there. So excited! Welcome to the party. Um, but um, there, but there's like more to explore and to understand and to to. Um, I'm hoping that in the new year. We break away from the, um, oh, I just forgot the word, but the uh, the, um, the, binary. Binary, the binary of the black, blackness and whiteness. I think in the United States, that binary is uh, all-encompassing and, and is drowning. And I think that we all too often place that binary on top of other countries' experiences. Um, like shout out to Australia Um, and so like I I hope that we because because I think also a a focus on the binary actually reinforces white supremacy um, because we are we are saying that it is true and it exists and there is a pull for whiteness and a pull for blackness and and those are true absolute things and so like in that in that framework and we're actually like reinforcing white supremacy by existing within that space and so like I'm so glad we've discovered white supremacy as a culture and as a people. And now I hope we try to um, break ourselves free of it by moving away from the binary. Oh, yeah. uh, and so that's
3: uh,
4: <laughs> like, oh uh, yeah, well, Chris. Um, and so, uh, so like, that's the thing that like, I, I think there are a multitude of conversations that need to continue to happen. And like a multitude of different things that like me as a person that I'm excited to learn more about. Susie, what about you? Oh, uh,
3: that's my question, so Catherine has to go first. <laughs> oh, you're
4: right,
0: you're right. <laughs> I, I've sort of got two answers. One of them, and they're not nearly as exciting and global as Maya's, I don't think, But and, and they're both kind of lockdown-related, I guess, because, you know, for us, about five months of the year was really quite extreme lockdown. Um, one of them is about friendship not and, and relationships not having to be in person to be real. Yeah. I first came onto the internet in the wonderful days of LiveJournal in 2002, and so I made all these very close friends whose names I didn't know and whose faces I didn't know, and some of them I've met over the years, and some of them are still online friends, you know. Um, And this year in particular, that's been a big thing because um, because so much of our socialising went online, we kind of started going, well, why shouldn't that include people overseas? Because actually, you know, if the time zones work, why not? So. I started regularly catching up with, yes, obviously with Sneezy, with my Shakespeare group, which is now about 50% international. Um, All <laughs> unions with friends every month or so from my two schools. Again, half of them are now overseas or interstate. Um, and I feel like I've actually gotten a lot closer to people overseas. And I think, yeah, it's it's one of those interesting things. I think people think that online friendships aren't real sometimes, but they very much are. And this has really confirmed it and made it very very important um and I suppose the other thing this year because you know I can't possibly let a podcast go by without talking about food that's not allowed is um yeah yeah (laughs) I've started you know supporting a couple of community supported agriculture groups where you're kind of basically having a share in a farm so I've become a lot more aware of climate and climate change and just I know the weather patterns in Dalesford so well now and and, and sort of how that all ties in with food security and with privilege, because, of course, for us, it was great that we could afford to, to make that outlay at the start of the season. Um, most years we wouldn't have been able to, but we can this time round. And it also meant that when all the supermarkets, you know, emptied the shelves, we were still getting veggies delivered each week. Um, and it just was very reassuring when you kind of knew you could be quarantined at any moment just to know that your veggies were going to arrive on your doorstep. Yeah. Um, and so it was this really lovely thing where, you know, I've always felt very strongly about trying to make sure my money goes to people who need it in terms of how I spend my money. You know, you oh, that is the most gorgeous cat ever.
4: <laughs> Hello, Bucket. Bucket oh. again. Um, he wants his
0: own podcast. But I think, you know, with with the effects in the economy of COVID, and I know I'm not the only one thinking this. A lot more people have started going, okay, which, which businesses locally can I make sure I'm supporting regularly? Because, you know, you really feel like, okay, how do we keep these businesses open? It's, um, before be you took them for granted. Well, exactly. And that's what yeah. lovely, where I am. There are so many small businesses. You can't possibly support them all every week. But, yeah, it's been really interesting watching them adapt but also watching how many people I know who've, not really been particularly conscious of this before kind of going very consciously this is my coffee shop and I'm going to go and buy coffee there every day to help keep them open yeah I'm not going to go to Woolies I'm going to go to the the supermarkets I'll be interested to see how the big brand supermarkets have gone this year actually Mm -hmm. because a lot more people are trying to trying desperately to cling on to their local businesses that was a bit rambly but yeah
2: no I agree Mm -hmm.
3: it wasn't rambly at all
2: no it made total sense
3: (laughs) yeah I think,
2: I think the thing I'm going to take out of 2020 is a much sharper focus on what I actually value and place importance and my energy on. Um, I know my energy is a finite resource, but I realized that if you know, my energy is you know, 1 through 10, and in a normal time I can devote 1 through 7 to my creative work, That was going to be one through four because I was going to have to be taking care of the emotional needs of my family. And that had to be my number one priority. All of a sudden, I didn't care what anyone else thought of my priorities because those were my priorities and they weren't up for discussion. Like, I mean, I care what my kids think and I care what my husband thinks, but anyone outside of that, I don't give a flying fuck. This is, these are my priorities and this is what I have to do. So that great reduction in the superfluous bullshit that I decided I didn't give a shit about anymore really helped me hone and focus the things that I value so that coming out of the, the lockdown, we, we do not have a five kilometer walk lockdown for one thing. We don't use kilometers. Um, (laughs) So we don't dare you. I know we don't do that, (laughs) but our limitations in the County that I live in have been stricter than many, many places. So as we start to slowly open up, The number of things that I'm going to allow back into my list is much, much lower. Like my priorities are much more refined and I deeply don't care what anyone thinks about that. My ability to tolerate a presumption of my priorities is like, "Mm -mm, no, 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 no. I'm in charge. This is, this is my job. This job is hard. Being a human, as we, as we discussed with Murderbot, being a person is hard enough. (laughs) I'm going to try not to make it harder for other people to person. And then in return, I want people to not make it harder for me to person, (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I'm taking out of 2020. A big, big dose of yes, you can do this. Yes, it's hard, but you're going to get through it. And you have good people around you. And thank you guys for being part of the good people who are around me.
3: Well, thank you for all of you being my people. I appreciate that.
2: Being part um, of the, the group and having everyone to talk to every day, all these different time zones is definitely part of the benefit of 2020. And I really appreciate how much you have all been here for all of us.
3: So I really, you. really, really appreciate it. Having bomb ass people to make birthday cards for. <laughs> <laughs> such
0: a privilege to part of this group. I love it. Just thank you.
4: Yeah. I mean, I just like, had once asked myself, oh, what would it look like to be part of like a anti-racist workplace? And then I was like, oh wait, like when I like hang out on Smart Bitches, Trashy Books, their Slack channel, like that is a place where like, I always see you, Sarah, as like the lady in charge, right? You are always actively working, right? To protect that space, right? And to protect your website. And like, that is not like, I've I've never been like, oh man, I gotta go have a conversation with Sarah about Blackface. <laughs> like right and like like that's the okay, thing I had to not. do where where I was like oh god I gotta have a conversation with these people I've met like my coworkers I have to go talk to them about Blackface and how it's a bad thing and like I have to go educate them and like right exactly um, and so but like on our little in this little this this website you created this space that you created Sarah like you've created a space that is anti-racist um, and like I adore it I don't have to envision a place where like that that like it exists. Right. And so like, that is a thing that I am like perpetually grateful for because, um, then it's not a fantasy that I have inside my head. Right. It's a possibility. People could do it if they wanted to do it. If that is where their intentions lie, Um, even if it's like intentional, unintentional, right? Like you have created this space and it is like a space that is like amazing. Um, and like, I, like, I, like I adore it and I adore the intentionality that you bring to that. Um, because it could be pretty easy to, to let that slip. Um, and you thank don't you. all day, every day you're working. Thank and you. it takes really a lot of work. That. So thank
3: you for that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, now I'm
2: going to turn purple.
3: <laughs> well, turn as purple as you like. It's a beautiful color. And, and yeah, just hopping on that bandwagon. Like Sarah, I told you before that I'm not afraid to talk about race with you. No, And I, I, I know how much work it takes for you just to get to the level where you're at now and I don't take that for granted because yes being anti-racist is important and everybody needs to do that work for us to go forward but at the same time just getting through the day like we're talking about just being a person is really fucking hard it is right and just getting that paycheck paying rent it already takes a lot in a capitalist society but you created this anti-racist space I have never had to Think about like, am I running my mouth? Am I going to be run out of this space if I'm too up? Um, well, I mean, I always worry about being obnoxious, but I never have to worry about being inconveniently anti-racist.
2: Yeah, more of it, please. Thank you. I'm really honored. <laughs> I, I try to. I, I don't take myself very seriously, and I don't take many things very seriously. But I take the safety of the space on the site and in the Slack group very seriously because. romances romances are about intimacy and being your authentic self and sometimes being your authentic self means talking about the things that are deeply traumatic and harmful there has to be space to undo that harm and create a a, a happiness for, for everybody that has to be part of it and that means addressing all the ugly crappy stuff and trying to figure out a way to make it better and I really appreciate that thank you And that brings us to the end of this week's episode and the last episode of 2020. Wow. And I want to start the outro, which by the way is totally a word, by thanking you for listening and for all of your email and all of your encouragement. It means so much to me to know that I'm keeping you company while you quilt or walk the dogs or dye yarn or shelf books or clean or cook or go about your life. I am really honored to be here with you. So thank you and happy new year to all of us. Thank you to Catherine and Sneezy and Maya for connecting with me across many time zones. I did the time zone math. I am so proud of myself. No one had to get up at 4 a.m. And I have more episodes coming with the other reviewers from our team. I can't wait to share those too. I have a joke and this joke is terrible. This joke comes from listener James S., who is a superb librarian, and it's a holiday joke because it is Christmas Day, isn't it? If you're listening on Friday, anyway. Here we go. What do you call a reindeer wearing earmuffs? What do you call a reindeer wearing earmuffs? Anything you like. Reindeer won't hear you. (laughs) (laughs) This is so silly. Thank you, James. (laughs) If you want to send me a joke, you know I love them. You can send them to sbjpodcast at gmail.com. And please do tell me what got you through 2020. What book meant the most to you? What piece of media got you through? I'd love to hear about it. In the meantime, thank you again for being part of the podcast. Thank you for listening. And thank you for being part of the podcast community. I am honored to keep you company. On behalf of everyone here, we wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. Or if you're like me, Happy Chinese Food and a Movie Day. Stay safe and warm and have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. We'll see you back here next week in 2021. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts to listen to at frolic.media slash podcasts.